you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast, an NFL podcast for the players, by the players. Here is your host, 14-year NFL veteran and Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams. Behind every NFL player and every NFL legend is a great story. On this podcast, we have been able to bring these stories to you to inform and inspire. In November, Chris Carter hosted a roundtable discussion for NFL executives with Warwick Dunn and Will Shields. The stories from that roundtable were incredibly personal, and we are able to share them with you on this podcast. So let's listen together. So today, we have two NFL legends, and when you talk about excellence on and off the field, that's what these guys are. Each were all pros. Each were great locker room leaders. I know a bunch of their teammates that rant and rave about them. And in a five-year span, that's my little dog in the background, little Coco. But in a five-year span, all three of us received the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I'm going to introduce these players. First, I'm going to go with a guy I call WD. And through the years, I've ribbed him a little bit. We used to face him twice a year, and he used to be a nightmare. That's why God made him so short, because he couldn't be a big nightmare. He had to be a small nightmare. And trust me, one of the big little men that ever played in the game. Three times a pro bowler, five times a thousand-yard rusher. People just think he was a receiver. No, he was more than that. And the 5'10 stood like Jim Brown. NFL Walter Payton Award winner 2004. We can say a lot of things about him. 
but I don't know if I can say anything better than this. He's the current minority owner of the Atlanta Falcons. NFL legends coordinator to the Southeast and helping hundreds and hundreds of players and people around the country, and that would be Warwick Dunn. The other player, he comes with accolades that a person like myself has nothing to respect for. Played 14 seasons. WD played 12 seasons. He's a Hall of Fame class of 2013. I remember when his name was called because I was still crying that they had passed me over, and I ended up getting selected the next year. A consummate pro 12 times in the Pro Bowl of his 14 seasons, 231 starts. That's an NFL record for a guard. Just think about it. Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner, 2003, NFL Legends Community Leader and Director of Central South. And these are the two players that we have hand-selected. There's not two players doing, out there doing a better job. And what we're going to do is have a three-part series. And the first part, we're going to tell our story, where we came from with the game of football. I'm going to make it a little bit easier because if you know anything about WD and Will, they're not the most talkative guys in the world. So for me, Chris Carter, I was born and raised in a small town in southwest, uh, southeast, uh, West Ohio, Middletown, Ohio. I've always loved football. I've always visualized myself playing in the National Football League. I remember being in seventh grade and finishing a test early, and the teacher told us to put all our materials away. And I remember doodling on a piece of paper. And that was the day that I decided to change my name because my name, my real name, is Gradual Christopher Carter. And there was a wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, and they called him White Lightning. And his name was Chris Collinsworth. And he spelled his name C-R-I-S. And I decided that day, unbeknownst to my teacher there in the seventh grade, who called me out for not um, putting my head down on the desk after finishing my test and asked me what I was doing. And I kind of did a little crisp thing and said, ah, I'm practicing my autograph. She said, what are you practicing your autograph for? I said, because I'm going to be in the NFL and be famous one day. So the NFL players have always, to me, been iconic. They've always been the people that when Charles Barkley said, you know, I'm not a role model, that wasn't something I ever believed in. I remember seeing Lynn Swan go up over two defenders and catch the football. And there's nothing more that I ever wanted to do than to play ballet inside the National Football League. And I started playing football when I was eight years old. I actually tried to play when I was seven. Me and my cousin went down to the, to the peewee field and tried to doctor up my birth certificate and tried to get me to be born a year early. And the lady there, she was a little too wise for that one. She told me I need to bring back my mother. So unbeknownst to her, I came back 365 days later with my mother with the right birth certificate and signed me up when I was eight years old. The first time I touched the ball in, in, a, in a football game, I ran 70 yards on an 18 bootleg for a touchdown. And ever since then, I've been in love with the game. In 1987, I was drafted out of Ohio State for the Philadelphia Eagles. And ever since then, through the 80s, through the 90s, through the new millennial, and now in 2020, I've been associated either with the league or the league office. And it's one of the things I can say I'm very, very proud of, that I don't have a college degree, but I've been working with the NFL since 1987. So for me, I feel like I know the league. I feel like I know the stories. 
and um, to have a job to tell the stories of the future, of the current, and of the past is a dream come true. WD, you're going to be the next guy storyteller. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from. Tell us about those brothers and sisters of yours in New Orleans and all those people down there to help you become a star at Florida State where they paid you to go there. Well, you don't have to tell that part. We we, we know that. Uh, I, I wish they would have paid me. I, I needed the money at the time. But uh, how I'm work done, I'm from, uh, I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Most people think you know, I'm from New Orleans. I was born in New Orleans and raised in Baton Rouge. So I'm one of six. I'm the oldest of uh, six kids. So it's two boys, a girl, two boys, a girl. And I started playing football when I was seven years old. And just going outside, we were always outside playing. That was the thing from sunup to sundown. So I started playing football when I was seven years old, but I was the last guy picked because I was really small, fragile. Most people, oh, he can't play. So after like the, the you know, second or third game, I started being the first guy being picked to play. And, you know, my love for the game was just, you know, from day one, I love to make people miss. So started playing football. Then I started playing organized football when I was 10 years old. And believe it or not, I hadn't, I didn't lose a game until my uh, sophomore year of high school. I lost my first game. You know, when I was playing Little League, we used to average six to nine points a game. We blew everyone out. We were, I was just on a really talented team. And I honestly, I never thought that, you know, I would go and play college uh, football, uh, not at a big time college. I was just trying to make sure I graduate from high school, being the first in my family to do that. And believe it or not, I, um, I was being recruited when I was in high school to play defensive back. And I did not want to hit anybody. I wanted to make people miss. So I made a deal with Coach Bobby Bowden that if I come coach, can I play running back? If it doesn't work out, then I'll play, I'll move the defensive back. So he gave me that opportunity. And I can tell you my first week at camp, my uh, freshman year, you know, I went against the first team defense, the starter. He blew, he hurt uh, an ankle, the backup blew his knee out. Third team guy was in the doghouse. So they really came down to the fifth and sixth guys. And I was going to this first team defense. I got the ball. That was like 50 yards, 60 yards on the first team defense. And, you know, I had another one like that. And after that, it was like, he's going to be at running back forever. So I went on to uh, have a really good career at Florida State University and got drafted in the first round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And honestly, I never thought that I would play professional football. I didn't think I was big enough. Like Chris said, I was, I was tiny. You know, I was only, I went to high school, I was a hundred and I would say 50 some pounds when I went to Florida State. And when I got drafted, I was only like 170, 175 pounds. So most people really didn't believe in my ability, my skill, because I wasn't big. I wasn't the prototype. So I kind of defied all the odds and, uh, you know, I went on to have a really great career a good career. Um, hopefully one day I can, you know, be like Chris and Will. But, um, you know, I'm just truly blessed. And But for me, I had opportunity to really become a partner of the Atlanta Falcons. And that's all because of the relationship that I had with Mr. Uh, Arthur Blank. You know, just having uh, the bond of really not focusing on the football field, but really focusing on impacting the community and the things that he cared about and my passion to helping individuals. Um, he just felt I'd be a good partner when my playing days were over and that's how it all went down. So he actually cooked dinner for me a few times and took me out to eat. So 
a billionaire cooking dinner at his house. I mean, he actually did that himself. So it wasn't, you know, didn't have a maid service to do that. But that's pretty much it, my story. The next player we have, um, before, before Will says a few things, um, I didn't know Will very well before we got into the hall. But in our retirement, I feel like that I've gotten to know him a lot better. But I've been watching him forever and watching his tape because one of the guys in Will's career he was compared to was Randall McDaniel. And he was the great left guard that played for the Minnesota Vikings. So the only person that they used to compare him to was Will Shields. So for me, I'd only see Will at the Pro Bowl and things like that. But I was watching you from afar. I know a bunch of your teammates, and we used to practice against Kansas City there in Minnesota. So I wanted to tell you in front of these people that I've admired you and admired your work and how you went about it. So I greatly appreciate you being part of the Legends community and sharing your story um, with the people. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I think what's really cool about it is the simple fact that I get an opportunity to sit and tell a little bit about myself as being, you know, we call it the fat kid on the block, the guy that gets to block and push people around for a living, um, which is one thing I enjoyed. It's pretty cool that I'm actually in my office today. So you guys can, you know, see where I'm from. I'm actually, I was born in Fort Riley, Kansas, believe it or not, in the Midwest, uh, but was raised in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is Fort Sill. I'm an army brat. So um, dad was in the military. And so I had that military background from day one where he basically said, hey, you got to get up early in the morning, get your work in, get your work done, make sure it happens. And um, he, he gave us that leadership. He gave us that opportunity to say, hey, you've got to do something different. What was really cool about it is that the simple fact that it is, is growing up in Oklahoma was a little different. Um, you know, we were from a smaller town, what most people call small. I, you know, we had three high schools and everything else, but it was a lot of fun. Um, the thing of it is, is that most people is a little unique and different, is that I am actually, I call myself a hybrid offensive lineman because I consider myself um, a small man trapped in a big man's body. Uh, to that point of where I can, you know, I try to do everything that everybody else could do. And so I think that's what sort of made me a better offensive lineman is because when people were doing breakdancing, I would do breakdancing. When people were rapping, I was rapping. When they were beatboxing, I was beatboxing. Um, even to the point of where uh, from kindergarten through high school, I was actually in vocal music and ended up being in honor choir and jazz choir and show choir and doing all the things that were a little out there, a little different, but it was something that I enjoyed. Um, but also, it also gave me a different perspective on different things as far as growing up in the community and being around different people and different things. Because of the military, you got a chance to know people from different walks of life. And that sort of helped me sort of broaden my, uh, my thought pattern of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And it's one of those things when I was getting an opportunity to go to college, I didn't know that I was actually good enough to go to college. Um, because I ended up going to a school that we had the number one running back in the nation when I was leaving. We had uh, the number five uh, DB uh, in the nation, um, which is interesting that both, you know, we had we had 21 guys that ended up coming from our high school uh, that played in the pros mm -hmm. in all different levels. And so I was not one of those. I was one of those that they were like, oh, yeah, you might go do vocal music somewhere. You might go do something else. But as being the most talented on the team, I wasn't. Um, but I think it was the simple fact of wanting to contribute and being able to be that guy that wanted to be on the field all the time and be a part of it that made me a little different. So I had to work a little harder to get there, 
but I enjoyed every minute of it because I fell in love with the sport and then fell in love with the game. And um, going through high school, we ended up winning a state championship. And I think that's what sort of changed my mindset of, okay, can I play at the next level? Can I work at the next level? And I was like, oh, yeah, I never dreamed about playing in the NFL. And I never thought that I was going to get to that level. But I actually look back into it. You know, you get the old lore books that you get from when you're graduating from high school. I went and looked back in it and actually said, where are you going to be in five years? And it says playing in the NFL, which is one of those <laughs> interesting things that you, you know, you never think you really thought of, but you had mm -hmm. a plan in the back of your mind. You had a plan in the back of your head. Something was telling you that you're meant to do something at the next level. So I ended up playing at the University of Nebraska, uh, played there for four years. I didn't redshirt. I actually played as a freshman. And then when I got a chance to get into the NFL, uh, I was a third round draft pick. I uh, got an opportunity for my first year to play with Joe Montana and Marcus Allen, which was two cool guys to actually learn from, uh, to sit there and watch, you know, to sit in the room with Marcus Allen and be like, oh, man, I'm studying film. And Marcus is going, hey, Will, what can you do with this guy? And I'm like, me? You're supposed to make me look good, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but to be able to be around those guys and learn from them is one of those things that was really special. But what was also special is that I got a chance to play for Tom Osborne as well as other guys that were very community-oriented. And in, in college, he would actually go, hey, Will, you need to go out and talk to some kids and give them a speech. And I said, well, coach, what am I going to tell them? He goes, tell them your story. Tell them about how you got here. Tell them how you had to take, you know, the SAT and ACT three or four times to get here to qualify. But then once you got here, you made your, your mind up that you were going to stay and you were going to get it done and you were going to do those things. Tell them you struggle, you know, the part of the struggle. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of changed my mindset to where, it, it made that simple fact of look at it, that you do have something to contribute. You do have something to say, even if you're the guy that just pushes people around on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that sort of changed my mindset of what I wanted to do. And so then when I got to the NFL, I saw we had like 17 guys that were actually doing things in the community in Kansas City when I got there. We'd have these banners up and, and we would have banners all over. And I was like, what's, what's unique about these guys compared to everybody else? And I was like, longevity. They're here for the long haul. They're willing to put their name on the wall and say, we're planning, we're going to stick, we're going to stay, we're going to make it happen. And so then I was like, well, I'm going to be one of those guys. So we, we sort of followed suit and they sort of set the tone of what you wanted to be and how you wanted to do it at a certain level. And it's sort of something you live by on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that's something that's really special to me is being able to be that person in the room that can try to change what everyone else's mindset is and make it better. But it's really unique for where I grew up in because everybody was sort of close and it mm -hmm. sort of helped you grow as you sort of go through. So that's sort of a little bit about my background and where I came from. But it's also something that I really am proud of, the simple fact of saying that, you know, day by day we work to get better. And we all come from somewhere. Um, thanks both of you guys for sharing. I can tell Will through your military background and your parents' upbringing, it made you very, very disciplined. And thank you for sharing that because I didn't know that. But there's a story about Warwick Dunn that a lot of people don't know. And it was the first thing that ever attracted to me him besides his smile. Because when he smiles, it just lights up the room. And he smiles at the weirdest times or the most uncomfortable, comfortable time. He just puts that little smile. And that's the story about his mother and how it led to him raising his siblings. So for me, we all are legends, but we had parts in the journey where we could have quit. And I know Warwick, I want you to share that story about your mom and your siblings, because I know that was a, that was a fork in the road. And that day, I know you could have quit to the people who might not know the story. 
Okay, no, I uh, so my senior year of high school, I was I just turned 18 years old, January 5th, and two days after my 18th birthday, my mom, who was a Baton Rouge City police officer at the time, uh, she was working over, extra duty overtime to just make extra money, and she was gunned down in the line of duty. She was actually in her police car in her police uniform, and they were making a routine night deposit at the at the bank with the grocery store manager, and two guys just opened fire on the police car. So I get a call at uh, twelve thirty that night, saying my mom had been shot. And I was just like, man, stop playing. And it was a friend of um, a police officer who was friends of the family. He was like, no, I'm serious. Don't wake anyone up. I'm gonna come and get you. And uh, we're gonna need to go to the hospital. So I got dressed, didn't wake my brothers and sisters up. So I'm the oldest of six. Um, so we drove to the hospital. As soon as I get to the hospital, um, they took me to a room. And gave me the telephone and told, you know, it was the police chief. He's on the phone. It's like, work. I'm sorry. We're going to do everything that we can to find these guys and bring them justice. I was just like, okay, I still have no idea what happened to my mom, anything. So I hang up the phone. I walk into the next room and my mom is just laid on the table with police officers surrounding the table. You know, I, I was like speechless and it, in that moment, I really couldn't think about myself. I just thought about my five brothers and sisters. Um, and I just felt like I need to go home and be with those guys. So I went home uh, that night and during, during this time, it was during the college recruiting process. So I was supposed to go visit the University of Alabama that weekend and I just canceled everything. And I was really just focused more on my mom and, uh, and my brothers and sisters. So I can tell you in the beginning, I thought about just staying home, going to LSU. But my family and the community really um, rattled around me to get me to leave and knowing that I had um, the support system to help me really support my brothers and sisters from afar. So, you know, just really growing up and being the oldest and uh, really having these adult conversations with my mom about her dreams and the things that she wanted. Um, you know, I knew that she wanted her own home. I knew that her goal was to put us in a stable environment. When you were moving around Baton Rouge, sometimes we would rent an apartment or we would rent a house and we would move to certain places where she's the security and we get free rent. That's how we got by um, for so many years. And I went to probably, I think, four or five schools throughout my, uh, throughout my time growing up. And she really wanted that stability for us. And, you know, for me, I was, thank God, I got drafted by Coach Dungy, uh, the Buccaneers at the time. And Coach Dungy uh, gathered all the rookies in the room and, and said, hey, you guys are going to live in this community. You want to give back and, you know, show people you, want, you care about the community. And you know, I just felt I wanted to do something that uh, can reflect what my mom's journey was and you know what she sacrificed her life for. And I thought about my mom and her journey of home ownership. Her dream was to own her own home and she didn't have that opportunity. So in 1997, we developed, you know, we developed a plan to um, help single parents, single mothers at the time uh, who were becoming first time homeowners. And that first year, I had, honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. We did this program and I was just, you know, like handing the keys over to a couple of families and, you know, they were going crazy. And I was just like, well, it's just some keys to a house and so forth, you know. Um, but later that night I went home and I saw the news and I, I really saw the impact I can 
see the impact from the news coverage. And that's something that I wanted to do over and over and over again after that. So I went back the next day and I said, we have to do this again. I need to go back home to Louisiana. This is where it all started. And for me, that was like the fire that that really um, lit my passion to go and help individuals, to help people. And I can tell you, you know, at 18 years old, after losing my mom, the city of Baton Rouge really taught me what it means to care about your neighbor. They wrap their arms around us. They raise money. That's how we were able to pay bills while I was in college. So they taught me what it means to give back and care about your neighbor. And from that, the the, the challenge with Coach Dungey just really just fueled the fire to want to go out and, and impact different communities. There's a lot of families that grew up in a single parent household um, that have the same challenges that my mom had. And, and today uh, we've been able to now 23 years help 184 single parent families who have become a first time homeowners. And we've also helped four single fathers of those 184. So this is going on 23 years. We're in, you know, I may get yelled at, but like 15 states, 22 markets, I think 24 markets. So we're trying to expand what we do as an organization at Work Done Charities and our program, Homes for Holidays. So uh, that program is we help single parent families who are becoming first time homeowners. And that's giving them $5,000 down payment, but fully furnishing a house with food, furniture, linens, garden tools, TVs, computers, all the way down to the toothbrush. And we feel like uh, that we want to really go after generational poverty. The way that I grew up, not really having a lot, um, being the oldest of six, being outside all day long, coming inside, really just going for the pantry and, and canned goods. I knew that a lot of families are struggling. And you have to think, my mom at that time was only making $36,000 a year, supporting six kids. So not really having a lot, I understood, and I understand what it means to struggle. So I just felt like, can I help other families live a better life, give their kids an opportunity to be successful long-term? And the program over the years have been, has been therapy for me as well. And it's been life-changing and it's something that I'm proud of. I know a lot of people, um, you know, I don't think they really understand the impact it has had on my life, but at the same time, I know that we've been able to really touch people and encourage other individuals to think about not just themselves, but to give back to other individuals because when you help someone, we've been able to pass it along. So we have really good success stories. Uh, we have a good success rate of the program. Uh, we still have 92% success rate of families that are in their home or they, they sold their home and bought another home. Uh, I've had one recipient who's, she bought a Habitat home, sold that house, bought another house, and she now she's got a pay raise and bought another home. So we've had kids who, you know, breaking the generational poverty, going to college and really starting to excel. So we've been able to, um, you know, change lives through this program. And, and, you know, I thank God that I've been able to take something that's tragically altered my life and, and turn it into something positive because, I've been to counseling, you know, I, I've been on the journey, you know, since, um, you know, 1990, you know, three, when I lost my mom. And just to think that most people don't know this, I didn't start going to counseling until 10 years after my mom's death when I moved to Atlanta. And that's really helped me overall in my life to not be so quiet. And I'm sure Chris to tell you, I used to be so mute. I never talked. I didn't smile. I wasn't engaging. I was just a person that had so much built up on the inside is that I was 
you know, I was looking for outlets to uh, express myself and uh, counseling really helped me with that. But through counseling, I was able to grow and, and I had a lot of questions. And the, the biggest thing I think I did after counseling is I wanted to go and sit down face to face with a guy who shot and killed my mom. And I ended up setting up this meeting, going to Angola prison to uh, sit down across from the guy and have a conversation. And the warden, when I got there, told me, you know, he's not going to admit that he did it. And I was like, OK, I, I was prepared for that. So we go in and the first thing he comes out of his mouth, Warwick, I didn't do it. But, you know, I've watched your career, your, your brothers and sisters when they were in college, I, I I watched them, you know, you have the other ones in high, you know, middle school, they're doing really well. I was like, okay. So when I was, when it was my turn to talk and I just said, you know, no matter what you say, I came here to forgive you. And, you know, I just want you to know that I forgive you of what you've done because your actions affected my life in every aspect. It affected me uh, raising my brothers and sisters. It, it affected me putting that responsibility on me. It, it, I didn't want to tell a woman I love her, hold her hand. You know, I didn't want to have kids. I didn't want a lot of things. It really messed my life up. And, you know, it's just, I was on a journey of forgiveness, but also I wanted to take that power back. And that's one of the main reasons that I think I went to Angola is to really take that power out of his control and really bring it back to me so I can work on myself internally to grow and to be able to actually get on a video call like this and talk mm -hmm. in front of people without, you know, being scared and nervous and shy and so forth. So, you know, I can go on and on and on about all the stories of my life. You know, I was Rick of the year, my Rick of year, but my second year, I moved my three brothers and sisters in with me in, in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to... Uh, make sure they put them into school. I was cooking dinner every night. I was going to PTA meetings I, on Friday nights. I was hanging out with my brothers and sisters. I would take them out once a week so they can get to know the city of Tampa. But I wasn't hanging out with any of my teammates. My focus wasn't let me build those relationships with my teammates. It was more like I need to make sure my brothers and sisters are okay. So in my life, I just, over the years, there's been a lot of sacrifice, a lot of commitment, not for myself, but for the people that I was responsible for. So I'm just, I'm blessed to uh, have the ability to actually open up and talk about, you know, my journey a little bit. So I appreciate you guys listening. Absolutely. And that's why we have you as one of our leaders. That's one of the greatest stories you'll ever hear from one of our legends. Um, I'm so glad you shared the counseling part because you're giving back, you're giving back. It's also produced fruit, not only in 22 states, but Deshaun Watson and his mom were recipients of one of your homes in the Georgia area. Right. You'll get her on her feet and her confidence. And now, and now look at him, one of our leaders um, over the next 10, 20 years around the NFL. So thanks for sharing. WD, um, I really appreciate you because when you have stories like that, it takes a certain amount inside of you to bring it up every time. And people might think that it's easy, but I know what you went through inside and even saying it, and you've said it a thousand and thousand of times, and every time you do it, it means a lot to a lot of people Will, you've always been a very, very special person. Thank you for joining us today. Warwick and Will's stories represent the best of the NFL brotherhood. We will be back with more stories and discussions with NFL players and legends. Thanks for listening in. The best is yet to come.
This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at NFLLegends at NFL.com. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.